We have told you this morning, and we told you in our vision night that what we intended to do is teach and preach on the Lord Jesus Christ throughout this calendar year. I want to talk to you this morning and tonight, and this series for the next several weeks will be called Christ, uh, uh, the Sufficiency of Christ, but this morning and then tonight, we'll look, part A and part B, Christ our Savior. What does it mean to have Jesus as our Savior? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for those that are here this morning. I know we're down in number. Many people that are gone or sick or away from us. And we do uplift before you, Brother Kevin Van Dyne, George and Fern Zane, and Brother and Mrs. Bliss, and Donald Quillen. And, and we all also uplift before you uh, Betty Moore and, and Mrs. Wall and the others that are sick. And Father, I pray that you touch them and return them unto us. Uh, Father, we come this morning. We're desperate. Uh, for your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts this morning. It is my intention today, it is our intention to uplift the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look at his role as Savior, what does it mean to have Christ as our Savior? And Father, I pray that I be guided by your Spirit and led and empowered by your Spirit. And I pray there might be one here this morning that does not know Jesus as Savior. May this be the day that they understand who Jesus is and receive him as their Lord and Savior. Help us in this time and this hour. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Shackled by a heavy burden Need the load of guilt and shame my 
Sometimes we come to church and we're kind of dry and, du and dusty. And I feel like this song, did have you been touched by the Savior? I just think about it. Are you excited about it this morning? It's having your home. So I want them to go into the course. We don't have the words to put up on the screen. I want you to just sing from your heart to the Lord, just the course with the men together. He touched me. Sing it from your heart to the Lord together. And then we'll, then we'll get into the preaching this morning. Are you ready? He touched me, oh, he touched me, and all oh, the joy that floods my soul, something happened, and now I know he touched me. Aren't you glad he touched you? All right, I remember this, and you might be like pastor. We used to go to youth camp, and Brother Stephen, I imagine you're, uh, some of you have been to youth camp before, and they sang this song. It was on a Monday, somebody touched me. It was on a Tuesday, and I don't remember what day it was. For me, I don't remember what day it was. We, we used to go back to camp, and they say it was on a Monday, and I was like, oh, no. I was glad one year we went back, and they said, uh, some of you may not remember the day of the week, but you know you're saved and he touched you. So they added to it, it was on a one day. <laughs> so you might not know what day it was, but a Monday, Tuesday, but it was on a one day. Thank you, Brother Kyle and Brother Stephen. That was a blessing to us. Christ, our Savior. We're going to do something a little different this morning. It's going to be more teachy than preachy. And I don't normally do this. Maybe three or four times of the year, the morning, the message from the morning will filter into the evening service. The more I studied this, the more I realized we can't exhaust Christ our Savior in one message. Uh, and so we're going to use a lot of Bible this morning, all right? Would you turn with me? If you cannot turn with us, if you'll, if you'll be patient with us, we'll read it together. So get your Bibles ready. If you're visiting with us or you're one of our own folks, forgot to bring your Bible on the back few pews and on the inside every other there's some black pew bibles you can join along with us christ our savior in christ we find everything we need to live the christian life to bring glory to god we don't need christ plus something we don't have to have christ and baptism baptism is necessary but in christ we find all that we need to live the christian life successfully in the next six weeks, we will study different aspects of Jesus' life and how that applies to us spiritually. We read in the Bible that Jesus is the Son of God. Are you following me? We also read that He's the Son of Man. We also read that He's the Christ of God and He's the Jesus Christ, the Messiah. All of these titles of Jesus we read. 
I'm going to say this to you this morning. We cannot appreciate Jesus as the Son of God or the Son of Man until we know Jesus as our Savior. Is He our Savior? I'm going to make this statement to you, and I know that they would tell us today, Preacher, you're never going to fill your church, and filling our church should not be the goal. You're not going to fill your church. You're not going to add people to the church if you speak on hell. Can I tell you this? If Jesus spoke on it, we better speak on it. And Jesus spoke on hell. Hell's a literal place as real as Pueblo, Colorado. And do you know that there will be people in hell that believe on Jesus and believe in Jesus? Be people in hell. Look in your Bible, if you would, Luke chapter number 4. Matter of fact, the devils themselves and demons of hell believe in Jesus. In Luke chapter number 4, we see that some of the disciples and apostles have been doing some miraculous things. And, but look at verse number 34, Luke chapter 4, and look at verse number 34. Here, the demons are speaking in verse number 34, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou son, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Who's speaking here? These are the demons. Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. The demons of hell know who Jesus is, but they're not saved. They're not going to go to heaven. It's possible to know who Jesus is and even believe in the man, Jesus Christ, and not have him as your Savior. Jesus was God, but... Uh, they believed that Jesus was God, but they never trusted Him. James even tells us that even the demons know who Jesus is and tremble. Centuries before, now I want you to take your Bible back. It says in verse 23, we read, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Where is that? Look at Isaiah. We're going to stop two places in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 7. Where was it prophesied that Jesus would come? Isaiah 7, and look at verse number 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Impossible, isn't it? A virgin cannot conceive. It's impossible. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you a sign because a virgin will conceive. And bear a son and shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, now go to chapter 9, Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Now I ask you this as we look at these words, are they capitalized in the middle of your sentence? So whenever a word is capitalized, we're talking about deity. Watch this, his name shall be called, say it together, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Who is that? Jesus. Look at verse 7. Of the increase of His government and peace, there should be no end upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom in order and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth and for how long? Even forever the zeal of the Lord's host will perform this. Now back to Matthew's Gospel chapter number 1. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, when it portrayed that Christ would come, it said that He would come for one purpose, to save 
His people from their sins. Did Jesus come to do that? Did he do that? I want to show you this. The blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to save whoever believes. Romans 3. Go with me there if you would please. Romans chapter number 3. The blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to save whoever believes. You might say, preacher, you don't understand how bad I am. And can I say this to you? Don't ever confess your sins to a man. Never. Because that man has sins of his own. And he has to confess his sins to someone. You might as well cut the middleman out and go straight to the person that that person you confess your sins to go straight to God himself. There's therefore now one mediator between God and man. This man who? Christ Jesus. The little boy was sick in the hospital. And he was dying. And the priest came to see him. And so the priest came to said to the little boy, he said, son, do you know soon that you're going to pass? And the little boy said, I do. I understand. I'm going to die. And he said, son, do you have any sins that you need to confess? And he said, yes, I do. And he said, would you like to confess them to me? He said, I don't know. Show me your hands. And the man said, the priest held his hands out, and he said, Sir, I can't confess my sins to you. See, the one I confess my sins to has nail scars in his hands. You might as well go straight to Jesus. But look at what Romans chapter number 3 says, verse number 22. The Bible says, For even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all them, upon all them that what? Believe, for there is no difference. Does verse 22 to 3 describe you? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is that you? Because that's me. Verse 24, look at what it says. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. The blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to save whosoever will believe. Is that true? That's awesome. If Jesus died and he came to be the savior of men, to save people from their sins, and if we will believe on that, we can know for sure that if we died, we'd go to heaven. But I want you to look at this. What does it mean, Christ, our savior? There are two aspects of Jesus' life that we wish to study this morning and tonight. Number one, the person of Christ. What was he like? If we could see him, if he lived in Pueblo, Colorado, and we viewed his life, what is he like? The person of Christ. And then the work of Christ. I want you to look at it exactly, first of all, the person of Christ. Jesus said of, I mean, God the Father said of his son in several places in the Gospels, This is my beloved son, in what? Whom I'm well pleased. Do you know, parents, those of you that are younger and you're starting your family, and we have two ladies that I know of, we might have more, uh, but two ladies that we know of that are expecting children, expecting babies. Do you know God does something wonderful for every parent? He puts in the heart of every little boy or girl a desire to please their mom and daddy in every little boy or girl. 
before they're born. They want to please their parents. I've seen as pastor before grown men that will go to a graveside of their dad and talk to their dad. Their dad can't talk to them, but they'll go to a grave when, when they've got to make a big decision and say, Dad, I just wanted to talk to you about this. And Why are they doing that? There's a desire on the part of that man, even though he's a man now, to please his father. And can I say this to you? If you're saved, you want to please your heavenly father. It's something innate. It's something inside of all of us. God said of his son, there's nothing as I watch how he lived his life. He lived his life, the person of Christ, in such a wonderful way. I'm pleased with his life. You would be like Pilate if you could see Jesus today. You would see, I find no fault in him, and neither did his father. But I want to show you this. Before we see Jesus as our Savior, we must see and believe that he was God veiled in human flesh. I know there'll be those, if you live in Pueblo for very long, they'll knock on your door. They'll try to ask you to come to church with them. Will you come and be a part of us? And they will tell you that Jesus is not God. They are lying to you. Jesus is God. Jesus was God and Jesus is now God. Before I receive Him as my Savior, I must first examine the person that He was and understand that Jesus is God. So look at the person of Christ and look at the work of Christ. The person of Christ is what he did. We'll look at that. But the work of Christ is who he was. Who he was. Now watch this. Jesus either, I'm going to make a bold statement this morning. Jesus either has to be who he said he was or he's the biggest liar that ever walked the face of the earth. Did Jesus claim to be God? Did Jesus claim that he could forgive sin? Yes, Only God can forgive sin. Right. Did Jesus claim that he was the creator? All things you see, John 1, 1, in the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word's with God, and the Word was God. And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Did Jesus claim to be creator God? Right. Was he? Yes. Did he claim to have the ability to be eternal? Before Abraham was, I am. You see the truth claims of Jesus Christ. He claimed to be able to forgive sin. He claimed that he was eternal before Abraham was. I was with my father in heaven. He claimed to be the creator of everything that we see. Those are attributes that belong only to God. So Jesus must either be everything he claimed to be or the biggest imposter that ever walked the face of the earth. He can't be something in between. He was equal with God. He descended from the Father. He claimed he was a creator. He claimed he forgives sin. He could forgive sin. As a rule, the sinner will first look at the works of Jesus before he looks at the person who performs the works. Let's be very careful about this. I want God to work in every service that we have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I want God to draw people to salvation by faith in Christ. I want God to work in the marriages in our church. And I want God to work in the lives of our teenagers. What a blessing it was for Miss Rogers and I to be with the teenagers. And we were talking about life and where you're going and what are those important decisions and how blessing it was, Brother Stephen, to have one of those young men say, I made an important decision. I made a decision. I want to be a youth pastor when I grow up. Another young man raised his hand and said, I made a decision. I want to be a missionary when I grow up. 
What great decisions those are. But watch this. We must be careful because all around us we have churches you can go to here in Pueblo, Colorado. And they will say, come see the miracles that take place. Come see the working of the Holy Spirit. And I want to see the Holy Spirit working. But so many times they can come to a church like that and they can see what we say is the working of the Holy Spirit. And we never examine Jesus Christ and who he is. Look at John 3. So it was with a very good man. In John 3, the Bible says in verse number 1, what is this man's name? His name's Nicodemus. Was Nicodemus a good man? Look at John 3, if you would please. And what does he do here in John chapter number 3? In verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. That's a spiritual ruler. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, what's that next word? That means faithful teacher. Jesus, I've listened as you've taught. You're a great orator. Was he? Never a man spake like this man. Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles except God be with him. Now watch, Jesus could pierce his heart, and he looked at Nicodemus' heart, and he said to Nicodemus, you know, you're a good guy. You're going to go to heaven. Is that what Jesus said? He said, marvel not that I say unto you, You must be what? Born again. He said, Nicodemus, don't get stuck on who I am. I mean, what I've done. I want to show you why I came. I want to show you the work I came to do. I came to save mankind. So it was Nicodemus came. This is so vitally important. Now, don't fault me. Just stay with me. It is through the works of Jesus Christ that we are the work that we're saved and not by his person. It was the death of the man, Jesus Christ, in his shed blood that saves us. Jesus was the Son of Man. Was he God and man? So the God side is the work that he's doing. The man side is how we identify with him. There will never be another person walk the face of the earth like Jesus. We have millions, and it's even told billions. And one time of the year, they will gather together in the Middle East, and we've got men and women and boys and girls that literally will say, I want you to give your life for me and to watch and to follow a false prophet called Muhammad. You know, Muhammad, one of his wives was a nine-year-old girl, forced wife. Muhammad was not a good man. Huh? And yet millions and billions of people, the fastest growing religion in the world is Islamic, the Muslim faith. And many are going to say, I want you to study. We're going to do this. We're not going to do this. We're going to do this because Muhammad did it. There's never been a man like Jesus walked the face of the earth and never will be again. Now let's look at his person. We look at his person and we will look at his work. Was he sinless? Yes or no? Was he holy? Was he pure? Did he love those who hated him? Did he open blinded eyes? Did he heal feeble knees? Did he open the ears of the deaf? Jesus did all of those things. And yet, having done all of those is not enough to save you. 
The fact that he opened blinded eyes, poor blind, blind Bartimaeus there by the side. He knew Jesus was coming. And for Jesus to, to reach down and mix spittle with clay and put it in. By faith, Bartimaeus believed that Jesus and those eyes opened for the first time and saw what a wonderful man. But opening blind eyes can't see you. Don't get stuck on people that supposedly are faith healers. Don't get stuck on them. Huh? Did Jesus walk on water? That's a great man. Did Jesus speak and have boat with the disciples in it and it was tossed to and fro? Did the Son of God, did Jesus rebuke the winds and it calmed? That's a great man. But having done all of those things, if his life ended there, it would not bring you and I salvation. The difference in liberalism and modernism and true Christianity is liberalism and modernism deny the incarnation and the virgin birth and simply claim that Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus either has to be God or he has to be the biggest imposter to ever walk the face of the earth. He can't be just a great teacher because he claimed to be God. I want to show you Jesus as a man. When we follow Jesus from Bethlehem to Calvary, I ask you this this morning. Did he hunger? Anybody hungry right now? <laughs> Anybody say, preacher, can you let us out? And my wife's got a roast in the oven. I've got to get home. Huh? Anybody going to Cracker Barrel afterwards? Can you smell those biscuits and the cornbread? Making sure they bring apple butter when they bring it. Anybody apple butter people here? Oh, you can't live without apple butter. Huh? Did Jesus hunger? Just like you. Did he ever get thirsty? He went in John chapter number 4. There's a well and a woman is, a fallen woman is drawing well, water from the well. And he asked, can you give me to drink? Jesus said, did he ever get tired? Did he ever rest? Did he ever get weary? Did he ever weep and cry? Any of you this week, Barb, have you done this? Do you think about this many times this week? I can tell you honestly, on Monday and Tuesday in the past week, we have wept over Brother Donald. Jesus did too. Many of the emotions and the same things that you and I go through, the person of Jesus Christ did the same thing. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Jesus knows what you're going through. The person of Christ. He was human. He spoke. He wept, he ate, he cried, he walked, he talked. That's the person of Christ. But he was God. Now watch this. Anybody can sleep. Anybody can eat. Most of us weep. Most of us get tired. We get hungry. Jesus did all of those things. But watch the part of him that was God. He spoke, and the dead came to life. Amen. He went to Lazarus' tomb, his dear friend. And his sister said this, You know, Lord, behold, he stinketh. <laughs> Didn't she? Yeah. What did that mean? In the Hebrew culture, after the third day, that's why Christ was only in the grave three days and three nights. The fourth day started the decay of the body. Behold, Lord, he stinketh. You don't want to raise him. He, he, he's not a, smelling good. Huh? 
But the Lord from a burden went to that. Now watch this. And he said, what? Three words did he say. Say it with me. Lazarus, come forth. Do you know if he had just said, come forth, every grave in the world would have opened up? Who can go to a grave and who can say, Lazarus, come forth, and that dead body comes forth? Only God can do that. So yes, Jesus is man, and we understand that he spoke, and the dead came to life. He spoke, and the wind ceased. He rebuked the waves. I ask you this this morning, who can cleanse the leper but God? Who can open blinded eyes but God? Who has control over the elements of nature but God? Jesus was a man, but Jesus was also God. Now, what does that mean to us? That means he came to be your savior. All of these wonderful things he did, and so we ought to study his life, and we will look at that. We'll learn, and men, help me with this. Men, if you're here and you know the verse in Ephesians chapter number 5, we will study and pattern ourselves after the life of Christ. He tells us, men, if we're married, how are we to love our wives? Men, love your wives as... Christ loved the church and, uh-oh, man, it's going to cost us something to show our love. Is it? Maybe some of your time. Tell the guys no and get home with your wife. Huh? Tell the boss no and get home with your wife. Treat her kindly. If she's a flower girl, bring her flowers. Seize candy is a wonderful thing. Got to go up to Colorado Springs for C's candy. Huh? Men, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Now watch this. To what depth should I love my wife? And did what? He gave himself for it. So we'll study the life of Christ. Hopefully we'll forgive like he forgave. We'll love like he, la- he loved. But if we study and we put all the practice, I want to love like Jesus loved. You can't love like Jesus loved until Jesus is your Savior. You can't forgive like Jesus forgave until Jesus is your Savior. Did Jesus create heaven and earth? Did he open blinded eyes? Did he cause the lame to walk? Jesus did all of these things, yet none of these things that Jesus did can save us. Before the foundations of the world, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, before the foundations of the earth was laid, it was already settled that Jesus would pay the sin debt of mankind with his own blood. And the truth of the matter is, each and every one of us here this morning together, we're sinners and you're going to stand before God with that sin unless you don't want to. And you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. He paid that sin debt. Now watch what happens then. Then he takes care of your sin debt. Once you do that, it's virtually impossible to become a Christian without believing in the incarnation and the virgin birth of Christ. Impossible. You've got to study his person, who he is. The liberals and the modernists would tell us he wasn't virgin born. That Jesus, there's a movie coming out right now, uh, fairly soon too, Jesus' other wives. It's a bunch of garbage and it's a bunch of lies. Jesus can't be God if he was married and had other wives and other children. Did Jesus have brothers? Had brothers. Now watch this. And Mary and Joseph with their daddy and mama. But watch this. The Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost of God, conceived in Mary. That's how our Savior was born. I want to show you his work. 
It's not the person of Jesus Christ that is most important. It's the work of Jesus Christ. We don't major on the person of Christ, but we major on the work of Christ. It is how Jesus lived. It's not how Jesus lived that saves us. It's what he did that saves us. I want you to look at 1 Peter, and we'll turn this a lot, maybe two verses, and we'll close for this morning. 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. I want you to follow me this morning. I'm going to make a statement. If you're here in this room this morning, I ask you this question. If you died today, would you go to heaven? I wonder if there's anybody your age that was in the obituaries this week. Pretty sure there was. Can you tell me you'll have tomorrow? If you died today, are you 100% certain you'd go to heaven? You can know for sure why. Jesus came to save you. He paid that price. He died on Calvary's cross, but I want to show you this. 1 Peter chapter number 2, look at verse number 21. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Where is he today? I'm in chapter 3. You're in chapter 2, aren't you? Verse 22, I'm sorry. Who did no sin. Who's this speaking of? Neither was guile found in his mouth. What a life! Wouldn't you want to forgive like Jesus forgave? Wouldn't you watch this? That they nailed him to the cross and plucked his beard and spat upon him and mocked him. And he looked down from the cross and he said, Father, what? I want that kind of forgiveness today. This week, we went around some people that, that I love and still love, but they, couldn't, they don't like pastor at all. They just don't like who I am. And my heart grieves because they don't understand my heart towards them. And we got around them and tried to be friendly to them. And we could understand they wanted nothing to do with it. And I think about this as we left out. Although my heart broke because these are people that we've had in our life for many years. But they just don't really want anything to do with pastor anymore. And my prayers, I get in that car and I leave. Father, I pray for that person. I still love them. And I pray you'd help me to forgive them. And maybe they could find forgiveness in their heart towards pastor. But how would you like to love like Jesus loved? How would you like to forgive like Jesus forgave? Those are wonderful things. But the truth of the matter is this. Look back, if you would, please. In verse number 22, who did no sin, neither was sin found. God was found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. That is the person of Jesus there. Now look at the work. Who his own self, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Watch this, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. For we are as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. If we rely on the finished work of Christ apart from any human effort on our part, we're saved. True? We're saved. If I just rely, I can't see. I look back some 2,000 years and I see Jesus. What a wonderful man he was. How he loved, how he forgave. And he was God, very God. But when he died on that cross, he died for your sins and he died for mine. If we look back by faith and trust that, we can know that we're saved. Number two, the sinless life of Jesus revealed what he was displaying. His divine qualifications to be the offering of our sin. It was an awful, indescribable moment when Jesus was made an offering for our sin. 
Go with me in your mind some 2,000 years ago. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The sun was out, I'm certain, there on Golgotha's hill. But then as your sins and my sins were laid upon the sinless Lamb of God, Son of God, all of a sudden for the first time in, 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 in eternity, God the Father looked on His Son, the sinless Son of God, and He saw your sins and mine. And for a while the earth went dark as God judged His own Son on Calvary's cross. What an indescribable, unbelievable moment when Jesus took your sin and mine upon Himself. God was dealing with our sins in the life of His own Son. I ask you this this morning as we close. You can know everything about the person of Christ and believe it all. He was a good man. He was without sin. He did all these miracles. He opened blinded eyes. He helped lame people, the lame to walk. He opened the ears of the deaf. He calmed the, the troubled waters. That won't save you. It won't take you to heaven until you look away from those things and you believe in those things and you look but on Calvary's cross, he died. And he died for my sins. Can I ask you this this morning? What is the last saying of Christ on the cross? It is finished. Right before that, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. What did he say? And my God, my God, that indescribable moment when God the Father judged his son on Calvary's cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? No wonder the world went dark. No wonder the world was covered as it was sackcloth of hair. No wonder because God judged his own son on Calvary's cross for your sins and mine. And he did that because he loves you and he wants to save you. It is you don't have to take a piece of bread and eat it. You don't have to take any wine and drink it. You don't have to be baptized. You don't have to live good works. Jesus said it on Calvary's cross. It's finished. And all you have to do is say, I believe it. I believe it. And I'm going to trust Him. I ask you these questions as we close. I make this statement. Every one of us here need a Savior. Am I right? I need a Savior. You need a Savior. I'm going to make a second statement. Jesus is the only sacrifice for your sins that God will accept. Is that true? If you could die and you hear this message and you don't trust Christ as Savior and you die and you go to hell, think about this. Can somebody light some candles and get you out? No. Huh? Can somebody pray some prayers and get you out? No. no. Can somebody be baptized a time and again and again and again and get you out? No. Why? Because you have a choice. Jesus loves you and He died on a cross for you and you need a Savior and Jesus is the only sacrifice that God will accept. I ask you this. Have you ever made Jesus your Savior? For me, it was when I was a 12-year-old boy. Grew up in church, thought I was a pretty good kid. I think if you could find anybody that knew Gordon Rogers, when he'd grown up, he was a pretty good kid. He's one of the, I think Brother Jerry Williams would say he's one of the best kids we had in youth group. He didn't know me real good. Huh? I remember just going, I told you this recently, I went to that bonfire really to look at the girls. Man, I'm hoping a certain girl shows up. 
had a bonfire. And Brother Williams just spoke a really simple message. And the Lord just looked at me and said, your dad's a trustee in the church. And you come down the aisle sometimes. And you pray to prayer. But the truth of the matter is, you're still lost. You need a Savior. And I saw Jesus for who he was. And very simply, that day, 12 years old, I just said, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you. And if you came to me and you said, not Pastor Rogers, but you said, Gordon, are you going to heaven? I would say, yes, I am. How do you know? Because I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I ask you this, do you need a Savior? Did Jesus come to be your Savior? Is he the only sacrifice God will accept on your behalf for your sins? Now, here's the last question. Have you received him? It's that simple. Have you ever received him? Because if you haven't, you can. Now, I want, you to, I want you to do this. I want you to come back tonight. I want you to see part B of Christ our Savior and how we play this out in our life. What does it mean for Jesus as our Savior?